And now, our feature presentation. The best in the world is right here, right now. Whether you like it or don't like it, pal, learn to love it. Ladies and gentlemen. Alright, listen up. Now it's our time to step forward. It's time to bring the NWE back into the spotlight. I was thinking that it might be a good idea if you and I formed an alliance. Let's get ready to rumble! the greatest wrestling program in the world ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention stop what you're doing and listen it's the alliance guys podcast with your hosts kevin frazier dkm and jcap hey guys this is the alliance guys podcast a presentation of alliance-wrestling.com your number one source your number one source for news and information for the United Wrestling Network and the National Wrestling Alliance. My name is Jay Cal, and with me are DKM and the former NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion, the modern-day hero, Kevin Frazier. Now, if this sounds a little bit different than usual, that's because, well, we've had a metric ton of calamity when it comes to producing this podcast. We had a lot of tech issues when we recorded it, Therefore, I'm doing a little voiceover that uh, doesn't exactly fit with the normal. But enjoy the podcast because here we go. Uh, the NWA 73rd anniversary. Now, it's kind of funny. I, I just want to point out a personal anecdote that uh, I was at the NWA 70th anniversary show that took place in Nashville, Tennessee. I was there to witness Nick Aldis defeat Cody Rhodes to regain the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. It was a really almost perfect moment, very serendipitous. When Aldis defeated Cody, the fans went nuts. It was obviously a pro-NWA crowd, and it was a very historical moment, one of the last pay-per-views that would be emanating out of the asylum as that building would be torn down. I think it's, I think it's torn down now. It was a great moment. I kind of regret not being in St. Louis to have that same moment watching Trevor Murdoch win the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. It would have been very cool to have that Alpha Omega moment where you see Aldis win the title and then see Aldis lose the title. I kind of regret not being there uh, for that very reason. But I, overall, I thought the pay-per-view was solid. Was it better than Empower? I don't, I don't know. There were moments that I thought, again, like what Kevin said, that stuff that felt like he would be on an indie show with 30 people in attendance. And there were some things that I thought were just outwardly awesome. So we're going to get to 73rd right now. And it starts off with the brawl in the loo. Now we get a strange new face on commentary. We get, uh, oh God, what is his name? Now I can't remember. Uh, you guys know. But while Go we're ahead. on the subject of commentary, while we're here. Sure. I'm sorry, but the commentary over the weekend was—it was bad. I yep. just—it was bad. And there's going to be something I'm going to make reference to um, with Tim Storm having a match and then coming out five minutes later on commentary. Um, 
it just wasn't good. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything. I'm sure. I mean, I think Velvet is a great ambassador for the NWA. I'm just not sure if she's a the right person to be doing play by play. Yeah, I just didn't really. I just really didn't enjoy the play by play at all. I found myself turning it down. And, it, and if and if it wasn't for the crowd reactions and wanting to hear the matches, I would have turned it down. I wasn't overly uh, impressed with the commentary either. Um, Velvet did kind of detract from it and for all the success I felt she was getting better at the position on power I felt a lot of that went out the window the oh my gosh I'm literally tearing up no disrespect intended but like you don't need to vocalize every thought that you have as a commentator you're supposed to narrate the story behind the match and some of the things that these guys were saying, and that includes Joe Galley, that includes Conrad, that includes the uh, other guy from the first night, and that includes Velvet Sky, I just felt like were unnecessary. And, and you sometimes have to let the moment be the moment and not talk over it. It's one of those things that Jim Ross does really well. It's one of those things that Tony Schiavone has done really well over the years. And maybe it's a lost art in pro wrestling, but I... I do agree with you, Kevin, that I was not overly happy with the announcers. Um, and I was kind of disappointed. But... Uh, well, uh, I, I would also say, too, one more thing while we're on this subject, we can move on. But, you know, if there's not actual equal, equal representation in terms of the... You have, you have, I guess you would say, the babyface element... Uh, in it, but you don't have any uh, advocation for the heel element of the show. Um, and I think that that really does detract from it. I think that if you're gonna if you're gonna cheer for one side more than the other, then you need to have an advocate for the other side. If you're gonna call it right down the middle, call it right down the middle, but they don't do that. Um, it's very babyface heavy in the in, and again, it's old school wrestling, which is great, but you need somebody there to kind of balance it out to to justify some of the actions of the heels uh, to make it a little, it makes it just makes it overall more entertaining. So let's go with the beginning match, which I don't know if this is the match I would have chosen to open the show. The brawl in the loo. Now this was, you know, we talk about the history and the tradition of the National Wrestling Alliance and how important it was to be back in the, uh, in the chase, a place of held with high regard, of having lots of uh, world heavyweight championships change hands in that venue, and they kick off the show with a match that would be more akin to the House of Hardcore, you know, a match that would have been seen at the uh, ECW arena as opposed to being at some place elegant like the Chase. I just felt like this match was totally out of place. Um, and the match starts off with Jack Dane coming out and you know, basically devastating his former tag team partner, just destroying him before the match, only for Crimson to come back at the, towards the end of the match just so that he could, you know, pull off his belt and whip uh, Tim Storm a couple of times. Tim Storm whips him back, and then they both whip Tom Latimer. Uh, there was a big spot where uh, Tom Latimer uh, basically uh, does a dive onto Tim Storm, who's on, the, on a guardrail, not a table, but like a, a guardrail. It was pretty intense, pretty extreme. Tim Storm gets the victory uh, on a broken Crimson with the perfect Storm to get the one, two, three. Uh, DKM, what did you think of this match? 
horrible. Mm. Well, first of all, why would you call anything Battle in the Loo? Wrong. Makes it sound like makes it sound like they're going to fight in a toilet stall. That's I kept thinking that the whole time. I mean, the second thing is if you're doing this because of Luthez, you don't have a hardcore match. There was no build to this. There was no explaining it. Why are these three guys having a hardcore match to open up an NWA show? What? I mean, there's no issues between the three of them. There's no... There's no reason for it. I mean, this is very... Sports entertainment... BS. I mean, I suppose the match was good for a three-way and a hardcore brawl, but I don't like either of those. So, <laughs> it, I mean, <laughs> it's just, what can you say that was good about it? Really? I mean, if that's the type of thing you like, fine. I guess maybe you liked it, but like. Again, no reason, no build, no explanation. Just, you know, we're going to name this after fighting in a toilet and guys are going to use weapons and stupid things. And since we're not going to put the ladder in the ring, we're going to have it outside the ring and, you know, it's horrible. Absolutely horrible. Kevin, what did you think? Well, I mean, once again, DK is absolutely completely wrong and stuck in 1982 um, because thinking that this is the 1982 oh, this has nothing to do with 1982 this is something that was so he can say that something they have like that. he can say stuff like that about me I sit here quietly I say well you keep you keep saying that yet you always bring up that I'm like stuck in the old thing but it's it's not true this was crap back in the old days it's crap now well in, in in reality though um, it, it was to me I, I, I felt like I was like uh, I was having flashbacks of ECW um, in wrestling they call this like hot shot booking so what it is is that you got three guys they don't have a match they don't have a story they don't got anything um, let's put them out there and get the most we can out of them for X amount of, of time and that's exactly what it was um, and not everybody's going to agree with me, but that's fine. I, again, uh, this had an ECW element to it, and uh, to me, if it's all right for them, then it should be all right for anybody. And uh, that's kind of how it went. Now, I do agree that the placement of the match was really was wrong. I don't think this should have been the first match. Um, I think you could have you could have put this match like as a semi-main event or somewhere around there. And, and if you need build for it, you could have started building this match the day of um, and built it throughout the show. But as a, as the match itself, the actual body of the match, um, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, it was really hard hitting uh, for a hardcore match. I mean, every hardcore match has to have that that spot where everybody goes, oh my God, is somebody going to die? Uh, we had that. Um, anytime I can watch dudes whipping each other with belts, um, <laughs> I'm happy about it. 
Um, and then, you know, again, I, I, I was a huge ECW fan, and I thought NWA had a few elements of ECW in this, this event, which I don't know, you know, again, you have some people booking uh, that maybe have some history in that. And uh, I, I don't have a problem with it. I, I think my only problem with the match was that it shouldn't have been the first match. But as a whole, um, you know, I, I, I mean, it was it was a, it was not a bad match at all for what it was. And, and I do like those kind of matches. So every match doesn't have to be, you know, two guys staying, you know, you know, wrestling for wrestling each other and inside the square circle brother and I mean this was just a, a dog fight just a dog fight between th- three big dudes now I, and, and I don't like who won and I love Tim Storm but for God's sake what is what does Thomas Slatterman have to do to get a win uh, in the NWA man like I don't I don't get it but as a, well as probably a, the fact that you like him is turning people off <laughs> it might have something to do with it but um yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite sure what was going on with that. Why? Why? What's going on with that? I'm not sure, but I will. I will say that the next match, um, Mickey James versus Kylie Ray, might have been more appropriate to open up the show. My two cents. Um, I felt like this was a really good match. Um, it showcased what Kylie Ray is all about. It showed you that Mickey James still got it. Um, personally, I probably would have liked to see a different outcome as a result, but um, there's a lot of back and forth. Kylie, the one thing that I, I don't understand about the character Kylie Ray is she's all smiles, and they call her Smiley Kylie, but she is a very heel wrestler in the ring, and it's very, uh, it's kind of a little awkward for me. Because I see her one minute all smile, happy, and then the next minute sadistically trying to get her opponent to tap out with that crazy eyes. And uh, and, and the fact of the matter is she just doesn't wrestle like a baby face. Nothing about her is a baby face except for her antics before and after a match. Um, The finish saw Mickey catch Kylie in an implant DDT. And then post-match, my favorite, Deanna Perrazzo, came out and uh, attacked Mickey James. DK, I'll go, or Kev, I'll go with you first. What did you think of this match? Uh, the legend and the up-and-comer. I, I think I actually 110% agree that this would have been a great opening match. I another 100% agree that Kylie Ray's wrestling style, or wrestling style as opposed to character, just don't match up, and it might be a situation where maybe they're moving her towards a heel turn I don't I don't know uh, that that's what it looks like uh, from the outside if they don't do that then I just don't get it because she's not telling a story it's not like she's leading us to something uh, unless it turns into something otherwise it just doesn't make sense but I also think this should have been the opening match uh, this would have been a great opening match uh, it would have got the crowd involved immediately uh, you have a fan favorite like Mickey James coming out. She's going to get immediate crowd reaction. Kylie Ray's going to get immediate crowd reaction. And it's a great warm-up for the show. And I agree again. I'm not sure about the outcome. Uh, you know, Kylie Ray went 0 for 2 on this, uh, over this weekend. And how do you, how do you justify her as a competitor, a contender to say Camille, which I get this feeling they're going to. How do you do that with her 
this was a match that could have really boosted her, and it doesn't hurt Mickey James to lose that match one bit. I mean, it's Mickey James. So, I, I'm, I'm, unless Mickey James is going to be doing something with Camille in the near future, uh, I don't quite get it. But it was a good match. DK, what were your thoughts on this one? Uh, yeah, it should have been the opening match. Uh, little trick back, by the way, ECW was supposed to be the antithesis of the NWA. That was the whole point of them. So, in Philadelphia was the antithesis of St. Louis. So, again, I don't know why you put that match on in the NWA show. Going back to this match, uh, it was fine. Can't say I liked it. Can't say I hated it. As far as who won, I knew Mickey was going to win, so I wasn't surprised. Just, I don't know that it was wrong. The issue, obviously, is going to be not that she's going to be challenging Camille. Maybe she will a little bit, but it was to advance the storyline with her and Perrazzo. Again, I guess these are part of the prices you pay when you're using other promotions. Talent and why I'm not the biggest fan of it. I don't understand why you come out to attack somebody in a hoodie, in a mask, and everything like that, and then unmask and reveal yourself. That didn't make logical sense to me. Did anyone, did, did either of you, like, have any doubt who was behind that mask? Like, when they came out, you're like, oh, it's Deanna Perrazzo. I had no idea. I didn't, I didn't care. Well, I'm like, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I was gonna say, I'm like, it would be more intriguing if she came out as Deanna Prazo. Go on, DK. Right. I mean, that's kind of, I was in the same boat. It was like, I didn't sit there and go, oh, it's Deanna Prazo, because I kind of figured if it was Deanna Prazo that she would have just come out and attacked her. And so I was just like, I was more like, what's this all about? And so. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it would have been better to been just the opening match on the card. Had either one of them go over clean. And then just go on with the card. Well, like ideally, friend, that would have been the best. Our friend Dave Scooby points out that he thinks Mickey is going to bounce between Impact and the NWA for now. And I'm 100% certain that's what this is all about. I don't know that you'll see Mickey James wrestle another match in the NWA, uh, at least for the upcoming tapings. I could be wrong. I might be wrong. But I don't think you'll see her in an NWA ring again, but you will see her in Impact. I can almost guarantee it uh, at the next set of tapings. Uh, she'll probably be uh, one of Deanna Perrazzo's next victims. But again, why are we putting on an NWA pay-per-view a hype for an impact pay-per-view down the road. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, that's going to be shown that that clip will be shown of Deanna Perrazzo pulling off her mask and, and that'll be part of the hype video that leads up to their match at, you know, the next impact pay-per-view for the knockouts title. But it's something that, again, I don't think we needed to have that on this show. And if you're going to do it, do it quickly and get it over with. But, uh, that takes us to, so, I mean, like I said, that's the price you pay. Sure. You know what? You know, people talk about the open doors or forbidden doors or whatever. I mean, 
they're not free <laughs> and they're not really open it this is it, okay I, I will send you somebody but my people gotta look good and then you gotta do something for me that door is always open I mean, but standard business. free that's good that's going on a t-shirt mm-hmm. the door is always open but the admission isn't free that's good I like that Next up, we have a non-sanctioned six-man tag title match. Now, this was stupid. I don't know what the hell they were thinking. I don't know why they brought out an additional belt. This was just flat-out stupid. And then, like, Joe Galley tried to sell it, saying that uh, Tyrus had bought old title belts from Ric Flair and so-and-so and this guy, and he melted him down to have him made to be the six-man singular title belt and it just this was stupid why can't we just call it a regular uh, six man tag match and have no belt uh, no reason to talk about the belt um, if you're going to do that division do it and do it the right way don't do shit like this and I'm sorry I don't I don't mean to say uh, those words on this podcast but that's how frustrated that made me seeing him come out with this additional title was just flat out stupid and I can't say it any nicer than that you got Jordan Clearwater and Sion teaming with Tyrus as part of the Austin Idol management group, whatever, taking on the Pope versus the end. And uh, this is the first time we've seen a much more heel version of Jordan Clearwater. I mean, he was doing, uh, he was wrestling a lot more like a heel. At one point doing push-ups on uh, the Pope who was down and out. The finish of this match saw Black G's come out to distract Paro by pushing Odinson off the top rope. Paro goes after Black G's in very slow motion like Paro has been as of late. Very disappointing to see. It's almost like a, a lack of caring. I mean, I, I, I can't tell you what's going on in his head, but as he walks away from the ring, he keeps looking back to see if they finish the spot, and he slowly uh, you know, meanders after Black G's. Uh, then Tyrus connects with that heart punch on Odinson. Sion tags himself in and gets the pin, much to the chagrin of of uh, Tyrus, who kept claiming that was his pin, that was his victory. So it was just kind of a an unknown uh, deal here. It just didn't make a lot of sense. Um, but, you know, again, like Kevin said, they needed a match to put people in the ring, put people on the card. Kevin, we'll go with you first. What did you think of this one? Well, I want to stop down on the Tim Storm coming back out. Uh, since we're talking, since you brought up Joe Galley and we're brought, talking about the announcers, I've never in my life seen a guy go have a street fight where didn't he's the one that went through the, the dang guardrail. Yeah. And he's got the wherewithal to go put a suit on, come back out, and call the rest of the show. That was uh, that was about as indie as as you get right there. Uh, you pay somebody to come in and call the match, and Tim Storm said if Tim Storm's going to wrestle, period. Bottom line in the story. Hey guys, uh, I just real, thought that was really real quick. I got to jump off camera. You guys go ahead, keep talking. I'll be right back. Okay. Um, so I thought that was really cheesy. Um, DK and me will actually probably come to come to agree on this that this was just uh, kind of a waste of time. This would have been the bathroom moment. 
and what a waste of uh, of Pope. And I don't think I could be. I, I think the the wrestler on the roster that gets the top ranking for the person I'm least interested in is the mask guy, Sion, uh, which is now he's now a car name, a failed car name. Um, so. Yeah, this match wasn't good, and what a waste of a uh, Pope of Pope being out there and just a just a cluster bleep. What about you, DK? Well, I, this is going to be one of those weird things. In that overall, the match was probably better than I expected, but I had absolutely no expectations. So I mean that. There seemed to be some something going on in the match. I guess was a positive. I thought Tyrus looked better than he normally does. Not that says anything, right? I. But this is another situation where you're, you're talking about, and and Jay brought up. Why are we having this match? You know, why is why is uh, Austin Idol showing up with a you know hacky made belt mm-hmm. that and claiming he melted down other belts to make this piece of junk and I mean, we haven't heard anything about a six-man title again. So, I mean, why do you need this idiotic gimmick? And, you know, here's the thing. If you just ask me about what happens in the ring, I would say, and you isolate out booking, I'd say most of the in-ring action was good throughout the night. But these booking decisions and these putting people together and why why is the math man who was brought in by William Patrick Corgan for reasons that William Patrick Corgan knows why is he suddenly teaming with Tyrus when did he become a part of that group I guess the answer was never because he steals the pin and then stares a hole into Tyrus I guess because he wants the TV title, but that was never actually, you know, brought up or specified or anything and hasn't been addressed really yet on the on the TV shows, unless I missed it. And I, I, this is NWA pay-per-views. They have decent matches but no build and I have no reason to care and so and that was again probably my biggest objection in the front I mean I don't like those type of matches I don't like three ways or whatever but man give me a reason to have it yeah I mean you know at least that type of match if you want to say oh, yeah. oh well we got we, you know, we got to use three guys because we don't build anything for these pay-per-views. Well, like, okay, that's... DK to, to kind of chip in on this, like, you know, one of the best six-man tag matches that ever happened was the Von Erichs versus the Freebirds at Texas Stadium. 
where Kevin Von Erich took his boot off and freaking almost knocked out Michael Hayes. But that match had a build. It meant something. And I think that's why there was so much bad blood and heat in that match. And I agree with you. I, I, I don't think every match has to be built. But a match like this, at least build it somehow, some way, and at least make it make sense. And it didn't do any of those things. And it really wasn't a good match to begin with. Right. I mean, I mean, look, at Texas Stadium, they had Chick Donovan versus Butch Reed. I mean, there was no build to that match. It was just an undercard match they put on the card. Yeah, that's fine. But it was also just a match. They didn't come in and have a barbed wire death match. You know? So, I, I, I think that's where some of the issues go down. I don't know. What else happened on the show, Jay? Well, that brings us to the um, the national championship. Now, this is kind of interesting because we get a return of James Storm, who we hadn't seen since he and L.A. Knight lost the tag team titles to Kratos and Stevens. He hadn't made another appearance for an NWA program since. So his big return to the NWA was a title match against Chris Mast, uh, Chris Adonis, excuse me. Now Adonis has yet to defend the national championship. I find that very weird that he's a two-time NWA national champion and did not have one title defense over the course of what, like eight episodes of power, never defended the title. And so this was his first title match and it was a very slow paced match, uh, which again, might have been a smart move to kind of help build up uh, before the main event, before another match that was going to be more intense, maybe the tag team match. Um, but that's not where they positioned it on the show. And uh, James Storm, who was way over with that St. Louis crowd, uh, as the match goes to the finish, he connects with a super kick, uh, gets ready to roll up uh Adonis for the one, two, three. The referee counts three, but then notices Adonis's foot is on the rope, so doesn't call for the bell to ring. It doesn't really explain it to Storm, who's sitting there thinking that he won the match, and then takes a minute to explain to Storm that the mat, that his foot was on the rope, that the match would continue, and that's when uh, Adonis was able to roll up uh, James Storm into that modified uh, bridge, and then put his foot on the ropes to get the one, two, three. So. Uh, in true heel fashion, he cheated to win. Uh, the referee just, I don't know. When I'm watching a referee, the, the when I'm watching a match, the last thing I want to focus on is the referee. And they made a point in this match to go to the referee multiple times, whether it was Adonis with the beer or with uh, Storm and, and not getting a three count. And then the referee being so astute to catch Adonis's foot the first time but not catch his foot on the ropes the second time. I don't know. I, I kind of would have hoped for more for this match, and I didn't get it. But uh, it was a, uh, a victory for Adonis. DK, what were your thoughts on this one? It was a time filler. I mean, the outcome was never in doubt. I mean, match was okay. I don't really have any major complaints about it. Uh, I agree with you. The ref was probably used as a crutch a little too much. <laughs> you know, it was what it was. Next. Kevin? 
I, I like I liked the match. It wasn't a great match. It certainly wasn't a bad match. I felt like it was two uh, two good wrestlers going out there and having a, a pretty good wrestling match. Um, I would say the highlight of the match was um, was Chris Adonis's condition um, from his first show at on Power till now. Um, I mean, he like has super tightened up and. You know, like I said, I was critical of his physique early on. I felt like he looked fantastic uh, at this show. Uh, again, as I was texting you guys during the show, I still think it'd be cool if he shaved his head and grew out a beard and said to heck with the body, I'm just going to go out there and beat people up. Um, but either or, I thought he looked great. Uh, I think this was, to me, this was, if, if your body is your calling card, then it has to be better than everybody else's. It has to be standout. And... Uh, you know, it doesn't help that the best body in the in the NWA is also the best in ring worker in Thomas Latimer, and I think that hurts a guy like well, I mean, that's, it hurts a guy like Adonis who banks on his physique, and yet you don't even have the best physique in the in the company, and so uh, I think that I mean you, you get my point, right? Like yeah, like he's supposed to have the best. He's he banks on his look, on his physique. That's what he that's his 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 money maker, so to speak and not his work rate and so thomas latimer has a better physique and he's got a better work rate so it's like you know if you're gonna be the physique guy you need to have the best physique and that's just kind of my my criticism on on adonis and i felt like he looked fantastic <laughs> oh boy oh i feel like dk's been a show killer today the, do- um, the dogs are really no, taking I- the show. <laughs> it took over, but no, I feel like I feel like the, the, I want to see his condition continue to improve. Um, to take, I want to see if he, him take it as far as he can, because I really think that will make him stand out big time and legitimize him as the the number two tier champion in the NWA. On a side note, I do want to express uh, again congratulations for uh, Mr. Adonis for being our. 2000th follower on Twitter, but even more so that he is going to the United Kingdom and defending that national championship in Preston City Wrestling against good friend of Nick Aldis. Um, holy crap, why did I just forget his name? <laughs> Doug Williams. Doug Williams. So that should be a fun match. I don't know if that video will get out anywhere, but I would love to see uh, that Doug Williams versus uh, uh, Chris Adonis match and hopefully, um, you know. I keep in my head thinking, well, what what would be the implications? What would happen if Doug Williams won that belt in the UK? Now, the United Kingdom uh, in the past has always had their own championship belt. So to see the United, uh, excuse me, the national championship head over to the UK, that's the first time that's ever happened. So kudos to uh, Chris Adonis, and hopefully he makes the, uh, the United States uh, proud with his uh, match over there. That so is that the us- Doug Williams? Are we talking about... Like the Doug Williams, the the one I, the Doug Williams I know, that's awesome. Yeah, it's great. He's still going what a strong, great experience man. Too. Yeah, what a great experience for Adonis too. I mean, uh, he has some good exposure. So props, good, good, good for him and good for Doug Williams. We're still go out there going strong. And you know, um, I know that in the past, Aldis has said that he uh, would really like to wrestle um, Doug Williams. Wanted to defend him ten pounds of gold against him. Um, who I think that would have been a stellar match to see too. I know that uh, that match still happened, but it was a non-title 
Uh, that was during the era that Cody had the belt, so we never got to see that match play out. And I would have really liked to have seen that one uh, happen. So who, who knows? Maybe um, maybe we'll see that uh, that matchup down the road. That brings us to the Ric Flair promo. And I didn't really Ooh. take any notes of, on that. I just thought that it was, uh, it was a nice thing to see Ric Flair have an opportunity to thank the people that have put him uh, in the spotlight for the last couple of decades. And I like the fact that he acknowledged that the NWA was an important part of who he is even till this day. So I thought that was cool. Um, I felt it went a little bit long, but as what many um, talking heads have already said, it's Ric Flair. You let him take as much time as he wants. Kevin, what did you think about that Flair uh, package, that Flair promo? I, I think on one hand, it was absolutely outstanding. I mean, just... I mean, I, I just I felt it, you know. I, I really did, and um, I felt like that was just—I don't want to say it was my part of the show, but it was certainly one of my favorite parts of the show. Um, it was just a great promo as a whole, just across the board. I could—I could give you the details, but who cares? It was just great. The—the—the the, the double-edged sword to that is that it's pretty sad that today that Ric Flair is still cutting the best promos. That, that people today cannot cut good promos anymore. Um, it don't give me CM Punk, he's trash. Don't give me Roman Reigns, he's not trash, but he's certainly not that great. Uh, don't give me Kevin Owens. I'm just trying to think of guys even now that even dare to talk on the mic. And these guys wouldn't even be average uh, in... in you know, what I would consider kind of the pinnacle or really just the older days of wrestling because, gosh, you can go back a ways and, and guys could cut promos. Today, they just can't. They just don't. And Ric Flair, I think I didn't realize how big of a discrepancy it is until Ric Flair came out there and cut that promo. And I was like, golly, man. Today, really, the only guy's promos that I actually get excited about is Eli Drake. Um, and that might be personal. You know, Excuse me. I, I, I like him. Who's so, Eli Drake? I'm sorry, L.A. Knight. Thank you. Um, I mean, I, I absolutely love his promos, but, I mean, that's about it. I, I can't tell you anybody else that I'm like, oh, man, he's getting on the mic. I can't – I got to I gotta watch this. So, on one hand, it was great to see Ric Flair do that. Uh, it was an outstanding promo. On the other hand, uh, you know, actually, actually, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. Nick Aldis cut a – mega promo uh, on this last episode of Power, which we'll get to. And I'm actually considering putting him in the top tier right now of, a, of the very few many guys out there that really can cut a killer promo. Because when he when he gives it, when he brings it, he brings it. You know, he was he was, he was was saying exactly to this ham sandwich right here, hey, why don't you go become a rock star and then you can tell Nick all this what to do. I felt very <laughs> personally attacked on that one. <laughs> Um, DK, your thoughts on the Ric Flair promo before we go to the Battle Royal? Uh, it was Flair being Flair. A little bit rambling, but, you know, I'm willing to accept it. You know, that dude is, what, 73 years old? And before my before my pops passed away, he was 75. 
he turned 76 the the day before he passed away and I could imagine my dad going out there and cutting a promo and it would sound something similar to how Flair sounded. And that's not a shot at my pops or a shot at Flair. He's 73 years old. He is going to ramble a little bit and that's okay because he's the nature boy. Again, you hand him a microphone, you let him say what he wants to say and that's it. Yeah. And you got to give Billy props for that. I mean, just you go out and you let him talk and let him say what he's going to say. Like Kevin said, He's better than almost anybody else you can find out there. I mean, this is facts. You can't even argue that. Right, right. And and, and I think I think like um, I mean, I just think like that's a no-brainer. You know, just I mean, it's just good content, as we say, as as you like to say, Jay. It's just good content as a whole. Yeah, you felt it. And, and it, it, you know, it really connected with the St. Louis crowd because, again, Flair had won a title there. Um, he had defended the title there, and he had a lot of great matches in that St. Louis uh, area, but also specifically at the Chase. So there was 100% uh, a connection to that audience. Now let's, let's go to the Battle Royal because this was significant. This sets up a new number one contender for the NWA National Championship. Now... I think we could all agree, the three of us, that the national championship has been more of an afterthought for the NWA in the last two seasons. It really hadn't felt very significant. So uh, a battle royal at this pay-per-view, um, in my mind, would hope uh, bring some life back into that division, into that, uh, not weight class, but that, that national title uh, championship, make it more meaningful because that's something that it's lacked for you know the better part of two seasons now. Um, we get, uh, and I'll just go through the names. And, and the interesting thing about the NWA is every battle royal is a surprise entrance. So they tell us it's a 12-man battle royal, but there's always a lucky number 13 in there. And uh, it turns out when it's a lucky number 13, usually that 13th guy uh, surprises people. But we get um, El Rudo, Jamie Stanley, Marche Rocket, Slice Boogie, uh, Plunkett, Luke Hawk, JTG, Captain Yuma, Rush Freeman, Heartthrob Jaden, Mims, Sal Renaro, and Judeus. Now, the interesting thing about that is about every single one of these guys that were in this battle royal end up getting a spot in the tag team tournament uh, starting on power the following week. So, not really sure how uh, selective they're being about either the Battle Royal or the Tag Team Tournament. Um, this was a lull. This was a down part for the for the pay-per-view. You came off such a high with Ric Flair and cutting such a world-class promo. And you got those goosebumps and you were all excited. And then you get a Battle Royal that drags on for far too long with a silly finish to end it. And... Uh, you know, it was just a boring match, and I can't, I can't wax poetic about it. It just was boring. Kev, what were your thoughts on the Battle Royal? Where, where in the world do you get the idea that uh, that between the ropes is an okay idea instead of over the top rope? Like, where, where does that idea even? Why does that idea even cross? Look, if you can't go over the top rope. There have been 400-pound men that can go over the top rope. If you can't go over the top rope, you don't belong on the dadgum show. 
Uh, I just don't that 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 to me is just a head scratcher. It to me it actually makes it like more bush league. Like it makes it less interesting. It makes it more like just not as important. And I don't know why. I just I just think that there's an element of having to go over the top rope that makes it more of a challenge and makes it more competitive and interesting. The other side, I agree, it was boring. It felt very pointless. And look, guys, NWA, newsflash. Guys rest, guys and girls are wrestling matches to move up the rankings. So then you, having this, two, two nights, two titles, number one contenders are determined by a battle royal, not by the merits of these wrestlers up, up to a certain point that earns them a title shot. No, they just can get lucky on one night and get a title shot. Two two nights in a row for two major titles in the company. I don't agree with that. And I'm going to agree with DK uh, a rare t- two times. Uh, but I think we all three agree on this. And we've belabored this point, so we don't have to tonight. But booking is the thing that kills the NWA, I think, or, or hurts the NWA actually more than anything else. Not production, not talent, not not even their goofy storylines sometimes. But the way they book their shows and the way they book their matches, uh, sometimes I'm like, oh, man, they're finally coming around. And then the match like this happens, and I just go, oh, my gosh. Like, what what is going on here? So I didn't like it. Wasn't a fan of it. Didn't like a lot of the wrestlers in it. Um, yeah. Who even won? I already forgot. Who won the match? Judas. Who? Judas, uh, that, oh, even less. That's why I forgot because it was so not interesting. And, and for uh, longtime NWA fans will remember Judas from NWA Anarchy. Uh, he had a cup of coffee with uh, Impact. Um, he had wrestled in Puerto Rico. He's not an unknown, but he's certainly not someone that moves the needle. And I would have been fine with him building him up as a potential challenge to to uh, Mr. Adonis. But it just felt like this was a this this didn't need to happen. Now I I, I guess what would have been worse for me is if JTG won because then we would have had a uh, a replay of the match that we had a couple weeks ago, and I really didn't want that. So. Um, for, for at least for that, it's a little bit better. Now, what about uh, you, D-Cam? We didn't get your thoughts. What did you think of the Battle Royal? Well, Jay's wrong twice. Uh, just stupid does move the needle. It just moves it the wrong direction. <laughs> and not wanting JTG to be in an actual program with Adonis is foolish. I mean, where's this idea that they can only have one match and the person wins, even if it's clean, then we don't ever, then we don't need to see it again. I mean, you know, Murdoch and, you know, all this, you know, had three or four matches. So, I don't, I don't agree with that assessment, you know. So the wrong, the wrong guy won. Uh, I don't. I don't. Sinister Minister needs to go with Austin Idol, and two of them need to go find their retirement homes and go away and never come back. Uh, they, they're both people that have history in wrestling, but neither neither one of them. I don't. 
think the average modern day fan cares about. And every time I hear a sinister minister's voice, all I can think is, where's the mute button? I just, every time I hear Austin Idol's voice, all I can think of is, where's the power button? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Um, stop it. These guys aren't adding to your show in a positive way. And so, you know, take whatever money you're investing in them and invest it in better talent. Uh, I don't know why they treated, you know, just stupid like he was some big megastar. You know, to come in and crush everybody and win the thing. Like Kevin said, who won? I ha- I didn't even know it when he first asked. It was like, oh, yeah, actually, who did win? Because yeah. I don't care, and I'm not interested in watching him challenge Adonis. And if he does challenge Adonis, he damn well better not win. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, battle royals are what they are. The not being over the top rope is 100% stupid. I they're doing it to be different. But it's not different. It's dumb. Wrong D word, people. So, do we? You know, do we come on. Stop down for a second, because we, we've been kind of rambling for a good while without really making reference to the chat. Uh, Jay, do you want to? Do you want to? Is there anything in there you want to call out or? or uh, well, like uh, in there. Okay, so a couple of things. Um, certified hustlers in the house. He he left, but he's back. Um, <laughs> James was H- gone? Uh, Sean Mega said that the ballroom uh, didn't look good, that the studio is more professional looking, um, which I, I kind of agree with, especially when it comes to I the agree. power tapings. It doesn't look good at all. Um, what would Luthez do? Uh, mention the national title, saying the national title in England? That makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, we're in different times. There is no uh, regional NWA in the UK anymore. There's just the NWA, so that national title, that TV title, you know, if those ta- if the titles travel, um, they don't follow the same guidelines that they used to have to, uh, to, to, to follow. Um, let's see. James H. Jackson says, when you're, co- when you're in a company that has a podium and mics, you need to step it up as a wrestler there when it comes to promos. And I think that was in, in speaking of what Ric Flair was saying, uh, what Kevin was saying about Ric Flair. Um, Certified Hustler said, bring back the over-the-top rope disqualification rule. Yes. Um, Dave Scooby said, I guess they had to get as much. Where did it go? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, well, it used to be, it used to be uh, part of the uh, Bill Watts rules, right? Where I think they even included that you can't jump off the top rope at one point. Um, Dave Scooby said, guess they had to get as much talent on the pay-per-views to make sure that they were there for the TV tapings. And that's probably his explanation of why they had so many uh, the different talents in the Battle Royal and in the, ta- in the uh, three-man tag matches. Um, James H. Jackson says, I do agree with DKM. The needle is always moving, just a matter of which way, which is kind of funny to if you ask me. And then uh, uh, 
what would Luthez do? Said they don't have a regionally named title. It's that simple. And yeah, that's that. I mean, that's sure. They're they're using the old heritage of the NWA. That's that's the legacy, the history, the tradition. I wouldn't be surprised. Hey, it's not the first time the national title's been defended in other countries. I mean, we're kind of making it sound like, oh, I can't believe this is happening. It's happened before. It's been defended in Japan. It's been defended in Canada. I mean, this is it. It is what it is. I mean, hell, the Texas title once changed hands in Puerto Rico. But, you know. Terry, Terry McDermott says he would rather see four wrestlers wrestle in singles to get a top contender like a Final Four. Totally agree I saw with that. that. I agree with that 100%. Um, let's see. Kakushi says, why can't the national championship be defended in the UK? The UK is a nation, right? I mean, that's solid logic there, Kakushi. Thank you for I mean, it doesn't say it's the American championship. It's true. It doesn't say it's the U.S. championship. Right? The U.S. or American. It's the national championship. This is true. Yeah, but I mean, here's the other thing, though. Here's the other thing, though. The real, I think, I think actually what it stands for is it's the national championship. Doesn't mean it can only be defended on national soil. If a UK wrestler wins it, that means he's now the national champion of the national champion of that. I mean, think about it like college football. I mean, or a college sport, they have a national championship, but sometimes people from other countries win those championships. So, I mean, I, you know, I don't think it has to be. I, I'm just, I'm just filibustering. I'm going to go ahead and move on. By the way, <laughs> by the way, what would Luthez do? Think said it's all stupid and nonsensical. So, I mean, everyone has their point of view. <laughs> Um, And then the last one, the last comment I wanted to get to is what Dodie said. And he says that the power tapings at the chase would look better if they set the banquet table crowd like the original wrestling at the chase. And I know he's talking about those $3 steaks. And a $3 steak sounds mighty good to me right now. But let's get to Camille and Chelsea Green for the NWA Women's World Championship, also known as the Burke uh, again, um, I really like the way that they put over the importance of the, the Burke title. Um, this was a very different match for Camille from the night before, where legit Layla Hirsch was very uh, hungry and aggressive to go to start the match. Chelsea Green was a little bit more of a slower paced, more of a what you would see on a national wrestling show. And I'm not saying that's necessarily bad, it's just different. Um, the battle between the two was a lot more slower paced, a lot more, um, I I would like to say like they were probably doing more thinking as to what they were going to do next where like with, with Camille and, and legit Layla, it felt like Camille was trying to find a way to get away from Layla. This match felt more like she was trying to figure out how to engage Chelsea green. Um, the finish came from the cross uh, arm bar submission from Camille, which, again, she didn't win with the spear, and that's probably the first time she's ever won a match in the NWA without using the spear. And uh, that cross arm bar submission was basically because all weekend long we heard about Chelsea Green's broken wrist, broken wrist, broken wrist. I mean, I think that's even why she uh, was eventually let go from the WWE was because of that broken wrist. So, uh, you know, she kind of went all Bob Orton with the cast. And uh, it just it felt like that was a good way to end the match. So I was happy with it. I thought that both women looked really good. Even Chelsea Green looked good in defeat. Um, we're going to go to you first, Kevin. What did you think about that match? 
Um, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the match. Um, I thought it was, it felt like a big league wrestling match. Um, again, I'm not a big fan of overworking a body part. Um, I just think we've watched enough MMA in our lives to know that when you put somebody in our bar, it's over most of the time. Um, and, and very rarely in those types of fights do you see uh, that kind of that kind of narrative. So I'm not a big fan of it. I, I think it's kind of antiquated, just in, in my opinion of, of wrestling today. But that's I digress. Other than that, I thought it was a great match. I really enjoyed the feeling out process. It made it feel like a big league match. I think Chelsea Green for the eyeball test um, certainly certainly looks better in the ring with Camille. Uh, and all in all, I thought it was a really solid match. I, I can't tell you it was the best match of the weekend or even the best match of the night, but I think it it sealed up a really good weekend for Camille. And and again, anybody that's watched our show knows that I you know I'm not I wouldn't call myself a Camille fan, but I do have a lot of uh, hope for the promise that she shows as an athlete. And so uh, I really am enjoying watching her develop, and I felt like this was a great weekend for her uh, to kind of solidify herself as the top woman wrestler in the NWA. Uh, it was a much better match than Camille had the night before with Hirsch. I mean, it, yeah, like Kevin said, it was a big deal. It was a big moment. Uh, women's match was good for what it was. Uh, like Kevin said, probably not the probably not the best match of the night or the weekend, but I would argue it's probably in the top four. I'm gonna go ahead and jump to the tag team match. Yeah, we got new tag team champions, uh, and I'm happy with you know the team that won. DK's thoughts, Kevin. Um, real quick, what did you think of La Rebellion versus? Uh, Stevens and Kratos, real quick. The tag team of BCS 666 and Mecha Wolf played divide and conquer, keeping Stevens in the ring the majority of the time. The finish saw Stevens get low blowed. By, was that the right word? Low blowed. Got a low blow by Conan, uh, and then a pair of knees for Kratos and the mark of the beast to put out Kratos. Uh, excuse me, to put out Stevens. Uh, Post match, we had uh, Conan cut a promo about acceptance. Kevin, what did you think about this match, and what did you think about the promo post-match? I, I love the match. Um, I actually liked it. I didn't have a problem with the match at all. Certainly happy about the outcome. And um, I thought the promo after, though, was a little bit of a head-scratcher. Like, uh, not not the message itself. Uh, I just scooted the camera back, so it might actually, might actually look pretty decent. But... Um, you know, I uh, I didn't understand that because I really thought it kind of trashed the champions. Um, you know, they just kind of dismissed them. Never fan of that at all, especially a team that's carried the belts and really been a staple of uh, of the NWA um, over the last couple of seasons. Uh, I didn't really like how they how they did them in that regards especially since they put so much time into building that team yeah. uh, to just kind of go out there and trash them. I, I don't, I, again, I don't have anything against Conan. I just feel like it was just not the right time or the right place uh, for that. But as a whole, I like the match. Um, 
I like La Rebellion. Um, I like both the wrestlers in the in that group, and so just as a whole, I was pleased with it. I thought it was a solid match. I I, I actually really enjoyed the match itself. Um, the the promo post match promo I found problematic, and it, it's mostly because I don't think that. Look, I'm not trying to talk trash about Conan at all, right? Uh, for what he's done for the business and what he continues to do for the business. I mean, for crying out loud, he's managing our boy uh, Danny Limelight over there in MLW with Slice Boogie. And, uh, you know, he's always been very uh, pro-Latin uh, culture in the National Wrestling Alliance and wrestling in general. Um, but if you look back in time, I mean... Look, uh, Los Luchas held those NWA tag team titles going back in 2007, 2008. Uh, you know, and they were a very good, solid tag team. Uh, you know, they represented the Latin culture for a very long time. Guys like Hot Stuff Hernandez, who was a former NWA national champion and a former NWA North American champion and an NWA world tag team champion with LAX, again, represented that Latin culture for a very long time. Sure, this might be the first time that a Puerto Rican-born uh, pro wrestler and a Mexican-born pro wrestler have held the NWA Tag Team titles, but I I don't know why that has to be such a huge distinction or why that's something to hang your hat on. Um, honest to God, the Latin culture, um, Hispanic culture in the NW in in the NWA has been well represented uh, throughout many many years. So the whole thing kind of was a little off-putting to me. Um, you know, yes, I'm happy that we have who we have for champions, but I just thought that that was kind of like, you know, what I, I get the fact that we want to have equality, and I'm not taking away from that, but it, it, I kind of feel like when you say things like that, you kind of shit on the history before you, and there's plenty of examples where it's just not the case. So it just that's what rubbed me the wrong way. Not that the message. Because I, I, I believe the message. I do think equality is important for the NWA. I think inclusion is super important for the NWA. Um, but I just felt like that moment, those words, maybe not necessary. Um, that's my two cents on it. Um, right, right. And again, and again, it was really disheartening to see the way they treated the former champions because they rushed into that segment instead of giving the former champions a chance to kind of make their way out of there and kind of, as we would say, stay small. Uh, instead, they they kind of they kind of trashed on them, and I, I'm just not a big fan of that. And and then the other thing to that too is, um, you know, and, and we'll get into this more during power, but Kratos and Stevens weren't even afforded an opportunity to have a rematch, which is pretty mm -hmm. atypical of tag team champions. They've been thrusted into this tournament and have to fight for an opportunity to have a rematch, which, you know, we were all very excited to see the NWA um, crowd new champions because, quite honestly, I was ready to move on from Kratos and Stevens. I just feel like you do it the right way, and you tell the story that traditionally, you know, for a, a company that's built on history, tradition, and legacy... And, and those three letters are so valuable because it's, you know, according to Billy Corgan himself, a legacy brand, then I think you need to keep up with the legacy and, and, and recognize these things. So, you know, my two cents, I really felt like Kratos and Stevens did get the raw end. The Conan promo was correct, but I think it should have included, you know, it didn't need to include so much 
in the uh, you know exclusion of the Latinx culture. But let's go to the world title match. Now this is what we all came for. This is the match that we all wanted to see. This is the match that represented the NWA to its fullest. And you know it started off a bit rough. It started off with Aldis taking uh, Murdoch around the ringside area and then battling out. There were so many shades of the match between he and Cody at the NWA anniversary show three years earlier that I, I drew a lot of comparisons. And you even had Billy Corgan out there you know, shouting at Nick Aldis to get back in the ring. Pat Kenny, who you haven't seen on camera yet, made a brief appearance trying to get some control of this match. It was wild on the outside. Um, you know, it, all, all this literally tells Corgan to smack him. Go ahead, hit me. Hit me. Take your first shot. And, uh, of course, you know, Billy Corgan is more of a pacifist. I don't think that was going to happen. They finally get back into the ring, and then it's the match we had hoped for. This is the match that I wanted at When the Shadows Fall. This is the match that I was hoping that the fans in Charlotte at the gathering were going to get. This was a well paced match. Neither men look blew up to start things off. They really did handle themselves quite well in this match. This is this is the Nick Aldis I've been clamoring for for since the pandemic started. And this is the Trevor Murdoch that I knew we could get if he was motivated correctly. Uh, so this was the match that we had hoped for. Again, Aldis pulled out all the stops. I mean, he, he pulled out his main event mafia bag and did an angle slam that popped the announcers more than the crowd. Um, he also hit the Thez Press, which I kind of popped for that being that they were in St. Louis. And, uh, you know, Murdoch uh, slamming all this off the top rope. I certainly felt like there were Ric Flair vibes in that match when he, you know, I, I can remember Road Warrior Hawk always catching Flair on the turnbuckle and tossing them down. Um, so there was a lot of callbacks to his, history, even with... Uh, with, with uh, Murdoch putting the figure four on Aldis for a brief moment. And, of course, the match finished with a Harley Race pile driver executed by Trevor Murdoch uh, to, to create a new... Uh, main event, I thought overall the match was good, but I didn't like that they milked so long and not starting the match because they were fighting all over the place. thought that kind of got old. I also like how after the referee got knocked out that apparently every other referee and official was in the toilet or something like that it took them forever to get another one to come down when they were all out there at the beginning trying to get them back in the ring but it was a good match I was glad Murdoch won I hate the new belt I felt like that was actually what I would this is what I would call a classic match um, it had all the elements of to me it had all the elements of a world title match um don't mind. Certainly don't mind the way it started. Kind of stuff just doesn't bother me. I, I'm just not. I didn't come up a traditionalist, though. I grew up in the territory days, watching territory style wrestling. But you know, the truth of the matter is, is that you know, you had a guy back then called Abdul the Butcher that would take out a fork and stab people with it and put it under his fat armpit. Uh, you had, you know, like I mean, you just had so many weird. You had the great Kabuki going out there spitting mist in people's face. So I, I just I, I it's I didn't grow up in the fifties, and frankly, neither did any of nobody watching this show. Um, so the truth is, is that you know we there are elements of wrestling like 
brawls and these kinds of things. These are just part of the thing, man. It's just part of the, the, the way wrestling is. Uh, and th- though I do know that some things that we do now, they didn't do even in the territory days, uh, maybe harkening back to the opening match. But that stuff just doesn't bother me. I love all of it. Um, I just thought it was a classic match. I thought they told a lot of stories. Um, I do think that this entire weekend was heavy with impact wrestling, inside jokes or whatever, you know, like inside stuff that you have to be an impact wrestling person to know. And I'm just, I don't watch a lot of that. And so I think if it's NWA, if you're going to harken back to something, it should be to the NWA. And so I'm a, I'm a big fan of like harken, like, like the get thrown off the top. And you said Road Warrior Hawk. Uh, let's just say every single person Ric Flair ever wrestled yeah. threw him off the top rope. Um, but, you know, it does harken back to him. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I liked the match. I, it I wasn't too. a great match, but it just it was it was a great match for what it needed to do. I, I'll say that for what it was trying to do. It did what it was trying to do. It did it well. Uh, they had their moment. Um, you know, and, and here's the most important part. The wrestling world was talking about it for a good while. I mean, not just one day. I mean, they were talking about it over the weekend and even into this, even into the next week, they, they were talking about Trevor Murdoch winning the NWA title. And so I think that alone makes the entire weekend a success. For sure. Is that the people were, people were talking about the NWA and I think that, that alone just, you can't be happier. You just couldn't be happier because that's a step. You know, it's not, we're not we're not there yet, but that's a step in the right direction that you're making wrestling news um, all over the all over the, the wrestling world. And think of it this way too, for, for those of you guys who are you know the week before we had SummerSlam and the announcement of CM Punk or his debut on AEW, like that was the big weekend. And then the following weekend you have back to back pay per views for the NWA. And then the weekend after that, you have All Out. And it's just like in a in a month where so much good wrestling is happening. Like, look, people are always going to talk about the WWE. You just can't help that. AEW has a lot of eyeballs on it because they're doing some big boy business. But, like, we weren't talking about Ring of Honor this during this time. We weren't talking about Major League Wrestling during this time. And we weren't talking about, uh, you know, uh, Impact, AAA, New Japan, New, New Japan. Japan Strong. Yeah. We weren't talking about any yeah. of that stuff. We were talking about the National Wrestling Alliance. And for that, it's absolutely a victory. It's 100% a victory. Now, where they go from here, it really determines on just how much more they're going to put into it. And, and the eyeballs are coming around. There were more people watching this pay-per-view than in recent memory. You know, I have to believe that this pay-per-view sold better than When Our Shadows Fall. And if it not, like, I don't know how it couldn't. But um, I, I, I mean, really... it was certainly a step up from that. But also, all, 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 all due respect, too. I mean, they didn't have much momentum going into When Our Shadows Fall. This one, they had it. They seemed like they had some good momentum. They, they 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 definitely had to get the ball rolling and it it looked like it did take two pay-per-views now they're heading back to Atlanta 
on December the 2nd, I believe, for the next pay-per-view and scheduled set of tapings. So it'll be interesting to see how things go then when they have to deal with going back into the Georgia Public Broadcasting Studio, um, you know, leaving the, the, the very pro-NWA crowd in St. Louis and, and heading back to Atlanta, which, again, is still a pro-NWA crowd, but a very different crowd. So it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. But for the next few weeks, months, we're going to have more NWA programming from the chase. Thanks again for tuning in to the Alliance Blog Podcast, our presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com. We genuinely appreciate your support. Would you consider subscribing so you won't miss any future episodes? We'd also like to remind you that we do a live stream every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on YouTube at the Alliance Blog. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, TikTok, and Twitch at the Alliance Blog. Remember, absorb what is useful, reject what is useless, add what is essentially your own. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.